0: It's Wednesday, you know what that means. It's time for another new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast that brings you anything and everything in the world of pop culture. We talk about comic books, we talk about toys, we talk about video games, we sometimes talk about comics, we talk about Lego, we talk about stock markets. Who are we? Well, we're the It's Cannon Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I'm joined by Phil. Hey, how's it going, everybody? How are you doing out there? And... The one, the only, the illustrious, the infamous, the negavist, I don't know what the fuck that is. The Tyler.
1: Negavist? Nice. Negavist. I'd like to file my formal complaint that we called it stocks instead of Stonks.
0: I know, I know. Stonks I know. only? I know. I, I screwed up, guys. I screwed up. I screwed it's alright. I should all right. quit. I should just quit. Uh, Phil, it's your show. Fuck it. Stonks. stonks. <laughs> We're going to talk stonks. <laughs> I, I love the fact that here we are, ready to talk of a very serious adult <laughs> subject.
1: <laughs> so, I have a way of describing this, and that, that is the, this is most, a very important adult subject that's going to affect millions, if not billions, of lives around the world. It's going to change livelihoods, but it's also entirely make-believe.
0: Oh, my God. That is the best way to put it. It really is. Oh, my God. It really is. Wow. Like, (laughs) it's all make-believe. And I say this as
1: someone who I I did my my undergraduate minor in business administration with a focus on org theory and finance.
0: My God. You just like... (laughs) It's all make believe. You ruined the world. Nothing exists. You ruined the world. You ruined the world. Well,
1: I Uh, mean, every economist and even every finance person is gonna admit, like, it's all make believe. None of it's real. It's all just (laughs) collective delusion.
0: When you honestly start thinking about the core of it, and when, if okay, let's say Boris Aguilar is an analyst, and Boris Aguilar. Um, is looking at various stocks and the fact that one article that I put out can literally make or break a company's stock, make or break millionaires. What type of system is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as we're going to go in more with our interview, it's an inefficient system. And the theory, if we're going to get all economic theory behind it, And um, I'm going to preempt anyone who's going to be like, Tyler, you've left your left-wing cred. Uh, Look, this is just economics. It's whether you're a capitalist or not, economics still applies. Markets still apply whether you're going to use, you know, an entirely market decentralized economic basis or you're going to try to use something else. Markets exist. And the theory is that this is how we allocate resources And in theory, if your one article can make or break a stock, the market's inefficient.
0: Yep, exactly. And again, so before we start this episode, before we move on, I think it should be said that, number one, this episode is about information and entertainment. What you do is up to you. We are no way telling you to do anything. We are in no way telling you to buy any stocks. We are in no way telling you to sell stocks. We are in no way trying to tell you to stop doing what you do. Your life is you. And that is that. Also, in the in the world of disclosure, um, <laughs> you know, we all have our various portfolios, and as we talk about various subjects, we will disclose whether we own or not said stock. If we do own it, we will say we do. If we don't say anything, make the assumption that we don't own it. Also, we are joined by an awesome guest, one of Tyler's friends. Tyler, could you tell us a little bit more about our guests on today's episode?
2: Yeah,
1: so someone I went to high school with, and we actually both went to law school at about the same time. He's got a master's degree from the University of Toronto in, oh no, uh, Global Affairs. It's the MGA through the Monk School. He's also got a law degree from Osgood, which is, depending who you ask, either the best or the second best law school in our illustrious Great White North. And he's going to talk a bit more about his specialty, because I know enough to keep up in a conversation with him but not enough to know everything of what he does at his job. Yeah. <laughs> see, I We know don't work in the same specialties.
0: Yeah. I know enough to have conversations with people to host a podcast about these stuff. But I was blown away by Ian. Like, he just, he killed it. He was awesome. Yeah. I want to thank him again. Again, For joining us For talking to us For explaining the markets to us um, And for kind of giving Some, some gotchas To some new people Who are interested in that zone Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, he's, He is ridiculously Competent um, He didn't go into this but I have to show these two quick bits Because it kind of adds to his credibility Of Yin uh, has literally interned with NATO like he's he's interned with NATO for a summer, and he did work in I think it was Jamaica. is it Jamaica or Haiti? He did work in the Caribbean on like police reform of course all this is prior to like going corporate of course
0: i love it i love it. no but he was awesome and tyler thank you for introducing him to us and hopefully we can get him back as we expand and continue looking at these subjects but like i said all of this is for pure entertainment and knowledge and information what you do with any of this is up to you and we will disclose our positions as we talk about them um tyler anything else that we need to disclose before we move forward
1: um, Ian is a lawyer, but he is not your lawyer, and he's going to go into it more specifically. But he's not giving you any advice, and he's talking in general about stuff. Secondly, though, I I have a law degree. I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on TV and mm. in podcasts.
0: Barely then. So anything there. I
1: say, and barely then. Like I have a law degree, which I have in turn used to do policy commentary and analysis and stuff. I have never practiced as a f- lawyer. I've never been barred which means I've never been given the ability to properly practice as a lawyer. Um, so don't take anything I say as though I'm a lawyer. Take it as though I'm, at best, a mildly incompetent policy analyst.
0: Needless to say... It, on stocks. It,
1: <laughs> on stocks. stocks. <laughs> uh, needless to say, talk needless to a to financial f- advisor, get an accountant, talk to a lawyer. If you want to do anything that's going to like drastically impact your life... These are the best bets. Mm. Someone who is able to look at your situation is so much better than a random voice on a podcast or television. And if someone is on television or a podcast telling you to listen to them instead of your own lawyer or accountant, they're lying to you.
0: Yep. Here's the thing. Why are we doing this episode then, Tyler? Why are we talking about these things? That is because it is making headlines everywhere. We are seeing things that we have never seen before in the market. We are seeing things in the market act in such a way that we haven't seen in 12, 13 years. So it's going to make news. And it's it's something to keep our eyes to keep our eyes on as, you know, we have a new administration in the US of A as, you know, the world is starting its, well, continuing the pandemic world and hopefully start its recovery. So all of these things really add up into an interesting outlook into not only what we're going through today, but what we're going to, what we are going to be going through tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just uh, remember as well, All this kind of came out of pop
3: culture as far as this phenomenon in the past week or two that we've all been watching. It's happening on Reddit. It's happening on social media. And those are realms that we all dabble in on the show. And it's hard for us to not be drawn into the fact that GameStop was the stock that was most actively traded. And we've been talking about this for months now, about watching that stock and watching that company and how it's reacting to... The COVID world, the digital sales world, all of the stuff that we focus in on day in, day out. This gives our audience a little bit of an ability to take a larger view into what the actual implications could be and what the laws and the rules are surrounding those industries that we don't really think about when we're memeing it up or doing the other crap that people do on the internet to just have fun.
0: Yep,
1: that's and exactly In it. the traditional way. The traditional way of these instances. A film has already been greenlit and they've already announced some casting decisions. Not oh,
0: only yeah. has a film been greenlit. I believe yeah. that a film and two series series I series have been greenlit wow. off a book that hasn't even been written yet about Game Stonks. Look, someone has a really good agent,
1: and that agent, I, I am betting, went home, and uh, uh, ingested no illicit substances, <laughs> none at all, before just throwing money up in the air and then rolling around in it.
0: Yeah. Oh my god! Like is when it, I read this, it I was just like this social social network. That's that it I believe the book is gonna be called the Antisocial Network. Literally. I think that's oh what the my book's God. called. Is Trent Reznor doing the soundtrack? Let's assume
3: <laughs>
1: yet, he is. But he's in negotiations. <laughs>
0: okay. What a world <laughs> a we live profound. in, guys. Like oh, no. this is honestly the world that we live in where things are being greenlit, picked up. I bet you it's already been cancelled on Netflix. Yeah. Actually Netflix is the one doing the movie. I know. Oh <laughs> Yeah, they well, weren't. The movie,
3: the movie is much more palatable because it's one and done.
1: A movie, I think <laughs> is a better venue for it. Um, yeah, it is also worth. I mean, just to, a quick diversion to do to our topic up culture thing. But it's worth noting that this is just de rigueur. It's just what happens in nonfiction now. Is if you have a decent enough platform and you can kind of sort of string some words together, and you have an idea that an editor thinks can sell you've got a book yeah. and then mm-hmm. immediately if you if you have a big enough platform or you have something that is sexy enough they're immediately going to start shopping that for your movie and television rights.
0: So my yeah. face, is um, f-
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I have a friend who who is a writer um, and ah, shoot, in the 90s, she sold rights to a movie, never got made and she still pocketed a cool mill for it.
0: Yeah, that's wow, the beauty, be right? Like, um, you know, we have friends of the show creators who have sold their content, and they're just waiting, waiting for maybe for it to be greenlit, you know. And they got the paycheck yep. because they sold it. But whether it gets made yep. into anything or not, eh, we'll see. One well, of yeah, them being Jim's yeah,
1: first paycheck. Yeah, in a, in
0: a
3: completely like weird universe. Today, I was looking at at uh, Twitter. And I think Jim Zub announced that a comic that he wrote like 12 years ago, his first kind of option yep. for DC slash Marvel, is published now. And he's yeah. just like, I didn't, he
0: didn't even know it was coming out. So, oh
1: god, that'll happen. That'll get checked someday.
0: Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, that happens so I, much. I, pretty cool.
1: I, it's all over the place. I've got stuff like that that's sitting in development hell somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: A book I wrote, a book I wrote and handed in four years ago, is supposed to be out later this year. Is I'm this like, a spy book? Sure.
0: Is this a spy book? No. No. Damn. No. Is it a book about stonks? No. Oh. Is this about a
1: book created about that stonk word? <laughs> I think I talked about this book. In, you did. Like for, I remember the first this. season of the podcast.
0: I do remember this, and I, that's why, like, you know who would know? Kyle would know. I gotta talk to Kyle.
1: I offered him some work, so I gotta (laughs) talk to. Oh yeah, for the audience, Kyle has returned. He messaged me. Apparently, I've inspired him, and he's now going to become an RPG writer and designer. So I've bankrupted another person.
0: (laughs) There's no money in it. I love the fact that he went from filmmaking to RPG writer. So from no money to negative money.
1: Well, I mean, like, my understanding, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're around film, it is viable to make a middle-class life doing the kind of stuff for other people, and then, like, kind of pursuing your stuff on the side. You know, being an editor, and then, like, oh, yeah, like, I do my my Film Fest things, and I'm going to try to break out there, but you're still, like, the day job pays the bills kind of thing, and you're still in the industry, versus in rpgs there are like 24 people who've like that's their full-time gig
0: it's ridiculous i i love it but it scares me so much like it's something that i you know as a as a teenager it's something that i honestly thought of pursuing and whatnot but number one my mom would never allow it she my mom said going into law is useless what if you fuck up halfway through I mean, god. All right. Yep. Yep. Going into
1: medicine is useless.
0: What if you kill someone? Like, okay, that's insurance. Welcome to my childhood, Tyler. Why do you think I'm drinking on a Tuesday? What, three quarters of a bottle? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah. Don't get into stonks. Don't get into stonks,
1: boys and girls. Game stop. Day trading. (laughs) What if you make billions of dollars? (laughs) <laughs> all right what are we talking about today
3: well i i think we have to i think we have to quickly go over before the interview too i know boris has
0: some stuff that he wants to talk about yeah that's what i was getting yeah. i always yeah. have stuff i want to talk about let's talk about energy the energy around us how does that sound look like, is this like a? are you I uh, like talking about
1: woo woo crystals and Reiki now, because if that's the direction this is going, I'm, that might be what makes me walk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, oh, we did, we no, literally... I think we I think we missed in our our weekend episode. I believe that on the news roundup we missed and we threw to this episode for yeah. the earnings reports coming yep. in from so, many many companies. Exactly so.
0: I love how Phil is trying so hard to steer us back into direction. And I'm well, doing everything. When I see insanity on two of my three feeds, someone's <laughs> got to steer I'm it. I'm, doing-
1: I'm trying to toss it back to someone to steer the wheel.
3: <laughs> I know. I'm I like, love it. i like, I don't
1: want the wheel. Someone else take the wheel.
0: Jesus. And I can see take Boris the off
3: the mic. So. I know. I know. I love it. So here's
0: the thing. Oh. So on the weekend – I'll be here's here's what happened on the weekend episode. Because a couple people brought it up to me. It's like, wow, you guys blew through a few subjects. Well, we were on a time crunch. (laughs) (laughs) We were on a time crunch. It was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, we blew. Oh, yeah. WandaVision. Hey, you like it? You like it? Good. We're done. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's not a lot
1: else to say about it. It's a really good show. Go watch it.
0: Yeah, okay. So, Boris, focus focus Um, so one of the subjects that I wanted to talk about on the weekend but it also made more sense to talk about it here on this special episode and that is stock markets and earnings reports so I wanted to focus on Apple, Microsoft and Tesla because they have an interesting story and a very different story as they are dare I say crushing the market so Let's let's get it. I want to get a little in depth. We're not going to get into too much detail of you know, they made X figures. Let's talk in general terms, guys. So, yeah. Tesla, Microsoft, Apple. These three companies. I I own no. I own stocks in both
1: Apple and I just liquidated my Microsoft holdings. There you we go. We said we'd disclose.
0: Yeah, I was literally oh, my God. I have no no idea on my literally portfolio, where I was going to go. Was like, do we have sure. anything? To do- oh, I love how we're talking over each other. <laughs> and now no one's talking. I'm pretty sure. No, we did it. No, I'm pretty
3: sure. Half a Tesla.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding.
3: Wait, you want half of Tesla. Tesla or half a Tesla? <laughs> I own a Tesla
1: every second weekend.
3: <laughs> Maybe I have a wheel in my garage. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I I think the other part of this disclosure is all this is separate from, like, the TFSA funds and stuff we all buy into. Yeah. That's all black boxes. Cause, yeah. We don't like, know. I've bought into yeah. a hedge fund that owns parts of other hedge funds. And that's what
0: I was going to say. Something Phil, yeah. and I know, Phil, sometimes you feel a little uneasy talking about this stuff because you don't know where the fuck your money is. Yeah, I just know that it goes into my money management
3: person yeah. that I talk to once in a while. And we we measure risk and we, we evaluate earnings and we do the adult stuff. But I don't typically, the most specific question I get asked is do I want to have foreign holdings or uh, domestic only, that type of thing. Like if there's any strong preferences in my yeah. Makeup that yeah. I would like them to adhere to, yeah. so
1: yeah. yeah. there's the name for that form under Canadian law that you have to? Yeah, it's a thing.
0: I, yeah. to be honest, I just filed it. Yeah, yeah. and for me, <laughs> I don't hold, I don't own anything in any of these three companies, um, so I think this is a good subject to bring up. Um, so I think we're gonna start in talking about Apple and how they are just absolutely killing. Things right now um, Tyler like what's your take like-
1: I mean I'm actually disappointed in Apple right now
0: And I say this as someone who's holding Is
1: um, they just had their Earnings Last week yep, yep. two last weeks week. ago Last week And considering we're in the middle of a Pandemic and everything Else Apple had like a really solid Earnings call and Despite that their stock Is kind of like Alright it's not really moving that much.
0: Yep, there's there's been immediate movement where it went down. Um, what's interesting is that Apple That's is true. starting to see what happened to BlackBerry ten years ago. And again, I bring up BlackBerry. I worked there. I had stock there. Still have stock there. Um, so for me, it's always like for me, it's the go to tech company too, right? Um, especially yeah. when it becomes like when we talk about analysts and market manipulation. Um, and the effect that one bad article can have on a company. So Apple is starting to go through this because, like Apple, they killed it, they did well, but they didn't do as well as some analysts believed that they would.
3: Well, but part of that is based off of market performance in the terms of the product line. And one of their underselling, because they don't really forthright disclose, their model sales, we we surmise it just by certain disclosures that they make. But one thing that they bet heavily on was the iPhone 6 mini, which is 12. the entry level or entry, sorry, iPhone 12 mini, which is the entry level phone into the marketplace. And that's just not performing strongly for them. It it's They can't push it in markets like India because it doesn't have any manufacturing components in India yet. And it's just not gravitating to people's pockets as much as the SE, the other model that they released last year. That was basically an iPhone six or yeah. an iPhone seven remake. That's a little bit cheaper than this one. So yeah. they've kind of sandwiched the lower end of the market, and I think that disappointed some analysts. But it, we also have to, uh, you know, report on the fact that they became, they overtook Amazon for biggest company again, or whatever that that thing is. There was some kind of highest title. value. Highest value Or highest market cap Something like that They overtook Amazon by just a hair With that earnings release So as bad as the analysts Reaction are I think in a way it keeps They're just trying to keep Apple honest On their product lines Like it's But Apple are going to get there anyway
0: Yeah. What's your take Tyler And and speaking as An observer as opposed to A shareholder
1: Oh yeah I mean i I I my for both of them like I'm a shareholder because I thought it was gonna get a bigger bounce from this earnings call. I bought in late twenty twenty kind of seeing seeing the news and stuff and i I think they're underperforming a little bit right now, and I do think that part of that is because this this last two weeks, the whole fiasco um of gamestop, but then we haven't even talked about how much of that like. How there was a they tried to do the same thing with Dogecoin in the crypto space, which was bizarre. How much that's taken the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. And that tech stocks in general, like part of this part of the sizzle is that they're sexy. Yep. And they have high uncertainty. Yep. So, you know, I, yes. I I think it's underperforming a little bit. I think they had a, a solid year considering all the metrics of what's going on in the well, world. And then look just at their yeah.
0: silicon
3: products. Like geez,
0: the yeah. M1 chip is killing. I have a question for the two of you guys. Do you think, and this is coming from, you know, like talking as the host of the It's Canon podcast, um, do you think that their legal battles have brought some more attention, eyes, negative attention, um, made some movements on their stock overall?
1: Hmm. I'm not seeing any evidence of that personally. Um, I, I I would I would, if anything, I would expect to get more of a chilling effect based upon the new administration's, thus far as I' posturing, but their kind of apparent attitude towards tech, towards crypto and towards um, monopolies.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know they
1: haven't done anything yet other than appoint a couple of people, but the Biden administration has kind of gestured towards they're going to get involved in that once the current round of crises is over. Yeah, yep. I would expect that to have more of a chilling effect. I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah, that and I that think that's... there's
3: if Go if ahead. there's people who are dumping because of the games controversies and the the lawsuits and the and the legal troubles, there's an, a healthy appetite of people that are going to scrap this, take the stock up. Because it is a wise investment. I don't yep. think that Apple are going to lose their shirt in a legal battle. I don't Apple, think that they're at you know, you know, it's one of those companies that like, amount of danger.
0: Yeah, you're, you can possibly lose money depending on when you bought in, but it's one of those stocks that mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, okay, it's going to do well in the long term.
3: Well, and we have the information as well. Tyler brings up some very good points. I'm I'm going to acknowledge that because I feel like if I say something that it's going to dismiss his points because those points are certainly valid and there is concern with the administration. But there's also a lot of rumor about a new Apple Car. Yeah, yeah. And once oh, that's that fair. comes, once Ugh. that starts hitting Ugh. investors, as that as that rumor mill cranks and cranks and cranks because they lured tesla people over they have done a lot of moves that have got people talking in those tech rumor spaces and i know we don't like to be in rumors but they have filed patents they're doing things we don't know if it's going to be apple car software that gets installed in a kia or a hyundai or something like that or if it's it's going to be a fully autonomous car we don't know what they're
0: going to do hold on so here's the thing that would be a huge play, and that would scare me as a BlackBerry shareholder because BlackBerry is the owner yeah. of Cunix, who has that contract with Tesla and Ford. You know, that's where BlackBerry makes their cash. Um, so, you know, the fact that Apple is starting to file patents is scary, but they also filed patents for TVs. Yeah. So this is what I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's it. like, yeah. for me, yeah, okay, cool, they're filing patents, but just because it's an R&D doesn't mean we're going to get the D. Sure. I'm sure. trying not to...
1: Um, Yeah, oh, I mean, to to pull back to just high-level, yeah, I mean, first, first of all, I would love a car announcement, like, right after I file my taxes so I can figure out my RRSP contributions for next year, because that'd be perfect. That'd be like, oh,
3: Yeah, well, let's let's be clear. I know Boris just floated out a big D one there, but let's just be clear that um, Apple are nowhere near making that announcement by all analysts, you know, reliable like, people who really study the company. They're saying like 2027
0: at the earliest Before the car actually gets to market If it is a car Yeah, but the announcement's going to come Hold on, the announcement's going to come way sooner So I think the fact that Yeah, but I I think it's still a couple years out Like they're, they're potentially
3: Like what happened was And I pay attention to this stuff a lot So this is something that I've watched Over the past few weeks And that is Hyundai came out and said Yeah, we're talking with Apple and then the next day, Hyundai came out and said, lots of companies are talking to Apple. And then Hyundai came out and said, not only lots of companies, uh, we might not be talking with them, and we may. And they just started walking it back, because obviously there was a panic phone call yeah. from California yep. telling them, hey, guys, get the fuck off, right? Yeah. Like, and then it was like, maybe they're talking to Kia. Maybe they're talking to this. Maybe yeah. they're talking to that. It's interesting. We're-
1: yeah, Bazinga is saying, uh, Bazinga, Benzinga, I should say, which is a a like a fina- like like top-tier financial reporting thing, is saying it's either Foxconn, who is behind several other companies, like it's the, a company mm-hmm. that all that builds cars for the companies, or GM.
0: Interesting. Yeah, Foxconn, you know, I would love to do a special on them, because I don't think people realize <sighs> the reach that that company has. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: Foxconn and Johnson & Johnson, and what's the other one? Triple M? Triple E? Triple M. M. Triple M. Yeah, Triple M. The three of those are, like, insane. Like, they own everything.
3: As well. Uh, You know what? Like, I don't know. It's an interesting spot.
0: We'll we'll see what happens. So, Microsoft Uh, basically... Underperforming in terms of analyst expectations. Tyler, you want to say something? Go ahead.
1: I want to throw one quick last little thing in on the Apple, which is analysts are also suggesting um, that they might be eyeing up uh, a major purchase. uh, With the two ones that are being suggested are Netflix and
2: Peloton.
0: Yes. Makes sense. Those rumors have been rampant especially when you take a look at the services that apple are providing you know apple tv fantastic service but it's missing that i don't know what and then their apple fitness plus is missing that i don't know what so you know those make yeah. sense from a from an overall point of view you know
3: oh um, there's one other thing i wanted to mention this is what slipped me slipped my mind earlier yep Something that's interesting that's happening, it's gonna to touch another one of our companies that we're looking at in Tesla. Something interesting that's happening in the in the car manufacturer place that Apple could go into as well is the fact that they're becoming companies that contract out making of the cars for companies. Yeah. So much like Nike doesn't really make running shoes, they're a marketing company that has athletic apparel. All right this is happening in cars and Magna is actually stepping up to be one of those big companies that are manufacturing Mercedes Benz and manufacturing other electric components of cars and things like that. And they're becoming this kind of mercenary in the car world where it's like anybody can pony up and say, we want you to make this. And who knows? Apple might do that. Apple might just say, Hey, look, like here's an Apple car made by Magna.
2: Yeah. Boom.
0: Done. Yeah. Hey, BlackBerry, talk and say what you want about BlackBerry. This, you know, uh, recent rise of their stock isn't just because of the GameStock stuff. Overall, 2021 has been very good to BlackBerry. Um, And when we take a look at the past few years of BlackBerry, you know, them stopping production of phones and selling that to DCL was huge. So I can see this Mm -hmm. continuing for, and this is is the trend. There's also a lot of rumors around that one, too. Yeah, and this is the thing. There's a lot of stuff like that. uh, Yeah, and I can see this being the trend. So not only in cell phones and in cars, but it's like, hey, we're just going to put our brand on it, but you're going to build it for us. Yeah, that's basically what Apple does with Foxconn. Yep, exactly. 100%. (laughs) Apple. Yep. It's an in, Apple is an interesting company to look at. Yeah, they have the R and D, but there's so much more to them. Like we can dedicate an episode to everything Apple. Um, all right. So that's Apple, guys. Anything, any, anything final that you want to throw out there, or shall we move on? All right. I, I, got, I got
1: my last thing on Apple. I just thought right. those purchases were important.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, all right. We're gonna move on to Microsoft, the other side of the window thanks to microsoft apple is still around um so microsoft interesting report interesting uh overall uh quarter that they've had i don't know how to really look at it as a as a person like here's the thing i am not a financial expert but i follow this stuff as a I don't want to say a fan, but you know what I mean, like as an observer. So Microsoft is has made some interesting moves, um, and one thing that I want to call out before we talk about how they're performing is Microsoft has had a very good and lucky uptake of their Azure cloud service. Cloud computing mm-hmm. is this big fancy word in technology cloud 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 um you know personally i akin it to mainframe computing it's mainframe computing plus uh where you know someone else hosts your stuff um so but you know their contract with the government might be in jeopardy So things with the American government, the $10 billion contract might be in jeopardy. But overall, all of that was reported in the past few days after their earnings report. But overall, their earnings report are doing well because of their services. And what have we been talking about on this show about Xbox? Mm. That's the the transition they're going. I mean, even with what you're talking about
1: Azure... Like, that is, again, it's just a service. And Microsoft really seems to be keying itself towards being more of a service-based company. And that's, I mean, if we look at tech larger, the software as a service has been the direction yeah. analysts and, and wonks have been pushing for, for what, a decade now?
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. Tyler, Phil, I have a question for you. What's Microsoft's biggest yeah. product? Ah, oh, I I would have guessed operating systems.
1: No, it's nope. it's going to be some back end thing.
0: Not even. It's, it's going to be so, no. It's something so obvious, and the OS is built around this product. Dramatic pause. What are we talking a browser? No. Nope. A browser? Oh, can Can you imagine Edge? No. No,
1: Edge is Edge exists to get from Opera yeah, yeah. Or chrome
0: <laughs>
2: it's or,
1: or firefox
0: yeah it's microsoft 365. well yeah i was oh, yeah that. Is,
1: is that biggest for revenue
0: i believe it is i don't i'm i don't have the numbers in front of me if someone that's, can check that's this subscription yeah that's now a subscription and back now, in the day you used to have to come into the store
3: and seriously it was my most guarded piece of software it was behind glass it was. I caught like three people trying to steal it back in the day. It was twelve hundred dollars. That you'd go to Microsoft like symposiums, and Microsoft would shower you with free discs of it. Yep. And it was like the Oma Salima
0: massive thing, and now it's like ten bucks a month. Yep. But that's the
2: thing. <laughs> it's,
3: like,
0: it's like I've taught even my. The boss that I have, not the boss, the guy who runs my wrestling podcast, him and I had a deep conversation about softwares as a service and sub- services and subscriptions in general. And again, I know I've said this so many times, but it's all about your monthly recurring revenue. And a way that a company does this is through their services. So Adobe, for example, this is why you can't buy you know, Photoshop 2021. Yep. It's because it's all a service now. It's all monthly subscription. Tyler, I feel like you have something to say. Well, I'm reading through
1: Microsoft's breakdown. And from, to put on Analyst Hat for a second, got to love these breakdowns. Oh, yeah. It's, and I put this in a, in a good way. It is hard to figure out where like what is the biggest because if you look at their, their high-level segment, the way Microsoft breaks it down, they break it down amongst personal computing, Intelligent cloud and productivity and business processes, which are in order 35, 34, and
0: 31 <laughs> percent. And then you have to decipher the, the products within, and then each, the rest right? of it is surface.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the rest- other
0: side of it is from their point of
1: view, Microsoft Office Commercial and Office Personal, so that's your 365 versus I don't know what they call the business one, yeah, are separate product lines to them. Yeah. Um. It looks like Intelligent Cloud is, which is their, wow. like, cl- their net cloud services.
3: Azure. I can and imagine a lot of companies decided when everybody had to work from home that they needed to go to companies like Microsoft and implement solutions in a very fast way. Let
0: me tell but you, the you other about side this. Of it? Let me tell you about this, and I, yeah. you know, I feel maybe. If I'm disclosing too much, I'm sorry bosses, but let's talk about my work for a second because we the, the company I work for, we deliver a enterprise CCMS to customers. Um, for the longest time it was infrastructure was in-house. so if for example, for Phil in this insurance company, it would be in-house in their infrastructure in their DMZ um, which now? that people are working from home it's a very problematic thing because how do you access this do you access it through VPN do you access it through you know other means so this has been honestly for the past 8 to 10 months the biggest headache for SaaS companies like the company that I work for now you know luckily we've gone the SaaS route so we have our product up on AWS, and you can download it anywhere, but we still have some customers who have the in-house infrastructure, and that makes it super fucking difficult for us to manage. So, Phil, Tyler, 100%, that conversation you guys just had about, hey, since the pandemic, this is going on, yeah, it's been the biggest headache and the biggest thing because like we get so many complaints from customers regarding um uh what do you call it uh performance and it's like no it's your company not our product it's your company not our product it's been like this is honestly like where the tech industry right now if people want to know why Your video game is not being completed so fast If you want to know why That whatever you're waiting for Is not being completed This is why Because we're all trying to figure out How the fuck we can get people Who do stuff to get their stuff Yep Boris is just putting
1: Floppy drives in boxes And mailing them out (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, Boris, uh, no, just, yeah, three and a half to, inch disks.
1: To put a bow Whoa! on these where their earrings come from, Boris is 100% right. Microsoft Azure is like the fastest growing growth channel. And it's worth noting that two other big products in Intelligent Cloud are SQL services, so mm-hmm. running servers and shit, yep. and GitHub. Ye- oh, right. Microsoft owns GitHub.
0: I was... That's something I honestly forgot. They bought GitHub.
1: Yeah. And GitHub is going to help them do R and D on their higher end commercial product. Yeah, 100%.
2: it's one hundred percent.
1: it's yeah, because it's going to help them do that. And then there are like higher end plans you can pay for on that. And there's ways of them making money off of it. Like it still makes them money, but it is also like a great R and D. Yeah. Little little box.
0: But like, I mean, they're they're doing great, guys. Let's take a step back. Like, this is a company. Like, we think, oh, they make Office, they make Windows. But like, let's take a look at everything they actually do with Azure, with cloud computing, with their enterprise services, and all this and that. Like, it's insane. What Microsoft and their reaches. There's so much stuff that they do. Their tentacles
3: are everywhere. And what we, what do we talk about? Office Xbox, which hasn't even turned a profit. <laughs> Wait, and what? stuff like that Hold Xbox, and, you know. And, 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 the, and,
0: and, Xbox and,
1: and, is profitable.
0: And and, and Is it? Say, yeah, ah. it's like pro- the, that division is profitable. But Finally. May I say fuck 343 and fuck Halo. <laughs> I got to get that in. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's, just it's hilarious
3: right? because okay. Xbox always struggled. Like that's always been the funny bit that they've always said, but we know that there's a path to profitability and I'm sure the services and whatnot, the services model is really starting to take off Yeah, and it's cross-platform. It's a great, it's a great thing and they deserve the credit for it. And they've launched a new platform that they can't seem to keep anywhere near stock on right now. Same as Sony. So I, I I'm I'm pro Microsoft on okay. this one.
0: So here's the thing. Let's t- let's let's look at this a little closer, their game pass. And you know that for me, my personal prediction is that and I know we're going back to video games and like but that's us and I know this, that's, that's what this we do. space really well. And that's services as you know, you know, eh, Game Pass that's the future. And I still predict that this or the next console they make will be the last console that Microsoft makes because there were a lot of rumors Uh running around that Xbox was going to finish with Xbox One. Um, So I feel like they're putting in a lot of R&D right now in Game Pass. And that's why a little company, a little startup known as Google... Is putting a lot of focus on their services in video yeah, games. Yeah, I I just, I,
1: I just want to voice that those reports of Xbox never being profitable. Yeah, I still I can't find anyth- anyone saying that after 2017, and every year after that yeah. they experienced record growth.
3: Okay, including That's it's good. worth
1: noting that in 2020 they had for Xbox related revenue services. 65% growth.
3: Wow. Oh, good. I know. It was just, it was something old. I agree. Oh, yeah. That was, a, it was a joke. It was a meme. Yeah. But yeah. Well, they were they, were, they were,
1: they were long term planning on that, which I think
3: was yeah. the right call. And I think it was the the right Xbox... call. we all knew that too, right? We all knew that there was going to be one day where they were going to turn the corner. I'm glad that it's happened. Yeah. But because as Boris was that... pointing out, like Google are doubling down. You know, despite all the reports that are coming out this week, that because they got rid of their AAA in-house in- the, like thing, that they're they're going out, but they're doubling down on all these games as a service. People, Microsoft
0: are already in that space. It's happening. People need to stop reading headlines and start reading yeah. the articles because it's clear. Well, read the actual St- press release from Google. Yeah. Stadia, <laughs> like, Stadia, Stadia, Stadia Studios is closing, which means that they're not going to have any in-house, you know, first-party games. Exclusives. Yeah. That doesn't mean... They've st- had them for two years. They they picked
3: some people out of Ubisoft. They picked some people out of Santa Monica games. They picked some people out of some big, high-profile uh, studios. They had promise, but they never actually got a project off the ground. And I think what happened was... They went, they saw what Cyberpunk was able to do on their platform and what Ubisoft is doing with their titles on their platform. And they see an easier path to profitability than going down the exclusive market, which is an insane market to go down right now. Because Microsoft and Sony own everything that's going to get any traction anyway.
0: And here's the thing. I think Google figured something out. Phil, I think Google is listening to us and in, in our thoughts and reading our conversations because, yes, they're closing down their exclusive studio, but Google is doubling down on their services because my brother sent me a message last night. It's like, I'm very skeptical about this, and I'm like, listen, I am too, but you don't have hardware to deal with. And we live in twenty twenty one where bad internet is a thing of the past. so how awesome would it be to game on any screen humanly possible? Yep, you know like and the, and, and, and here's and a high frame rate even you shared an editorial article with us, and that's the thing it's that's key. It's all editorial about what this means. We don't know what the future of Stadia is yet. The studio is closed down. They're focused on their customers. How you interpret this, that's up to you. But Google oh. will let us know in the next little bit what all of this means. But for me, yeah. it for me it means we are gonna bring you a service. Comparable to Game Pass With third party Devs that will rock Your socks
3: Yep They have something in the works called Project Hailstorm I think that gets announced soon And you know honestly If you look at YouTube right now every video is Haha I told you so yep. Stadia fails No, no because, they're because they're reading headlines They're reading headlines They didn't read anything uh, it's 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 interesting. It's an yeah. interesting thing, I know and I'm veered, curious to see where it goes. We veered I, a big. I poured time. into it. I know, and we did, but I poured into a big time. I'm curious to see where it goes. You know, that's why I was posting those op-ed pieces because I wanted to show just how crazy some of the stuff is yeah. getting. Yeah, and they, you know, you have to
0: read it too. Exactly. To no, that's the thing. You really have to be to. able
3: to formulate.
0: Yeah. yeah, I get it, man. It, it's for me it, it goes hand in hand with the Microsoft story just because it goes to show you how important services and SaaS products yeah. are to today's day and age Tyler anything to add
1: on which I was still on Microsoft
0: oh we're still on Microsoft
1: yeah, yeah. no anyway. uh, the, the, the short version and I think this this might end on Microsoft is literally every sector of Microsoft. Out- overperformed analysts in 2020 yeah. in every single quarter. Like everything they're doing is outperforming people expect, and
3: yeah. rock up. <laughs> Good for them. I'm I'm actually really happy for them.
0: Microsoft is Microsoft, guys. People can m- say what you want about Microsoft, but they are Microsoft. Tesla. Let's talk about Tesla because this. To me is always an interesting stock to talk about. I do not own any Tesla stock. Tyler, Phil, do you guys own any Tesla stock? As far as you know? And you negatory on me.
1: You could not. If you gave me Tesla stock, I would sell it instantly. I don't want to touch that.
0: It's and a that, bubble right now. That is exactly it. Here, let's talk about Tesla. Yes. They are worth more than they've ever been worth. Yes, Elon Musk is worth more than he's ever been worth. And I'm using air quotes because it's all vaporware. Um, Tesla is a company that while it's performing well on the markets, dot, 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 that's why I stop because there's nothing else. There's a company
1: company that hasn't been really profitable.
3: I don't know. I I don't
0: think so. Like they're trying to make cars. They're trying to you make know? batteries. Let like, let's Battery start there. Cars. 2020
1: was their first profitable year.
0: Yep,
3: exactly.
1: And they have like their stock exploded as
3: a result. Like talk about meme stocks. Yeah. Yeah. But but professionals and, did it.
0: Come on.
1: <laughs> and yeah, their profit does not come from making cars.
0: Yeah, it doesn't.
1: It's it's only from regulatory credits. Without government I, support, Tesla is not a profitable company.
3: I think Tyler and I discussed this. I know Boris and I have discussed this. I know the three of us have discussed this. I think that a person buying Tesla stock is buying into the cult of Elon and thinks that they're buying SpaceX stock, thinks that they're buying like... The pharmaceutical stock that Elon is companies that he's invested and in. Starlink, it's, it's and just things like that. Starlink, everything like anything cool Elon's doing to a layperson, right? Like y- you're not looking into his politics, you're not looking into his statements. You're just looking into what you see on the news and what you see where the hope is and where you see the future. And when all these things are done, they're done in a very sensational way, and people think, "Hey, I want to get attached to this guy somehow. Yep. I'm going to buy." stock. Yep. So In Elon, I,
1: and I am super skeptical of Tesla, but I'm going to steal a man, the pro Tesla position for a moment.
0: All right, let's do this. So let's their position
1: it. is that number one, this value is a hundred percent like the, the true rational investor who is, who thinks that Tesla is worth a lot of money. Maybe not as much as that, but it thinks it's a good, really good investment says that part of this value is based upon projected future income. And that it is getting so much attention for its future that that drives its current price up because, in theory, if you base one economic theories, if we know what a company does over the next year, we will know the price of the stock over the next year.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Like we just we will know it because if you and I'm saying like we truly know there's no room for error. We know that's how it works. Um, The second of which is that to Tesla's credit. Their growth in manufacturing capacity does outpace pretty much every single other car company on Earth. Yeah. They probably need to to have a chance of a snowball in hell.
0: I was literally gonna say that.
1: Um And then three is they're buying into Tesla's forecast. Yeah. And before we let us let's, let's steel man it before we start to poke holes in it. Because I'm just I'm playing the steel man for them at this point. <laughs> Tesla one. has said they're gonna have a fifty percent They're going to have a 50% growth rate in production over 2021. So if that's true and they're able to maintain that, you know, that justifies part of the Tesla's absurd price rally.
0: Yeah. However. However.
1: Do you want to know who sells more electric vehicles than Tesla?
0: The Chinese company.
1: Volkswagen does. Not even Chinese company. Volkswagen beats
0: them. Volkswagen. Interesting. Volkswagen, interesting. Volkswagen, interesting. Volkswagen, good. Like,
3: yeah, and you can only imagine companies like Toyota and whatnot are going to get in there with have which have large worldwide footprints. You know, Tesla yeah. is still trying to get set up in certain markets. Tesla not even
0: a predominant guys. Like, you know, manufacturer <laughs> anywhere. Tesla has a major production issue that the entire world is ignoring in their batteries. Mm.
1: I don't think that you're right on that one. Nope. That they're ignoring it. I think a lot of people see it and are like, ah, Tesla's fucked.
0: Okay, mainstream. Be mainstream. mainstream. Mainstream.
1: I don't agree. What are you defining as mainstream?
0: Because institutional investors think Tesla's hot
1: garbage. You're right. You're right. Because they say both that, that. Tyler. You're and right. two, Elon can't get away with this shit.
0: Tyler, you're right. You're right. Tyler. <laughs> Tyler is right, ladies and gentlemen. No, hang but on. like. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What is the battery issue? I'm sorry. Go, I, for, I, I, the issue, Go for it.
3: battery issue
0: is that this company is literally running on a limited supply of battery because of how uh. they make them and this is why conspiracy theorists and this and that say that Elon Musk wanted to get into Venezuela this is why they are opening up new plants and this and that um there's a legit but you know beside all of the actual conspiracy theories there is an issue with the number of batteries and producing the batteries that they have
2: hmm Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, for in layman's quick, terms, in layman's terms, there's quick, more to uh, yeah, it. For quick, yeah, for a quick, for a quick
1: engineering lesson for the audience who don't know, creating batteries that can be charged and discharged a lot and have really high capacities is like a super hard challenge. Yep. And part of Tesla's sale is we're so great at it,
2: <laughs>
1: which is not really true.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, it's a work in progress. They're, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a it's an area of innovation we've yet yeah. to break through on that front it's the re- reason why here in Canada we all kind of smile at the electric car great in concept but on a negative twenty night I yeah. don't know how well my battery's gonna do yep yeah and I think, if you, you want to watch um one... long way up with you and McGregor cold and batteries no go
0: <laughs> yeah and there's one right very there. Important um, Element To These batteries Lithium Lithium yeah. Lithium So Lithium That's all I'm gonna say Lithium So Boris is alluding to Is the fact that all, Almost all batteries
1: Require A rare earth metal Of some kind yeah. um, With lithium being One of the most popular Ones right now And I think there's only like, like I think it's like Three countries Produce Functionally, all of the world's rare earth metals. And one yeah, of them is China. China. And yeah. one of them, I'm brain from which African country it is, but an African country that just signed a huge trade deal with China because China very much is like, we're just going to control all the world's rare earth metals.
3: And I know yeah, Canada a has. way that, that they hold the a bargaining position. Zimbabwe. It's, it's really Zimbabwe. about. Uh, thank you. It's, it's about being able to mine it efficiently. And no. that's the challenge, right? Once a country can invest and mine it efficiently Then the gates open up for you But there's not a lot of countries that take that time to Let invest. me frack
0: and tell you how you're going to mine it
1: Yeah, I was going to say A lot of them result in a lot of deaths right now yeah. like It's basically <laughs> slave labor
0: Yeah, it's really bad And this is why, like, you know, conspiracy theorists I don't want to get into it But this is why they say that the whole Venezuela thing Was going down, blah, 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 blah sure. But lithium or the... The 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 materials to make these batteries is so yeah. important in the Tesla model, which is why Mr. Musk may or may not make certain tweets about what's going on in the world. Fair.
3: But, I, I mean, I think you
1: know, I separately. think this is a good
0: Elon example Elon of. A... For sorry, sorry, Tyler. I hate talking over people, but. uh um, you yours is probably more interesting. Mine's just shitting on Elon Musk. <laughs> But was, what I was going to say is Twitter like, today. <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to follow the money sometimes. And in this case, you mm-hmm. have to follow the elements because it can tell you so much about the markets and how the markets are going to react. And even in the movie, um, uh, The Social Network, you know, they made they made reference anyone who knows the weather. Can know the market Because you know more yep. or less what's How the world is going to react To certain things That is the beauty Of the stock markets mm-hmm. yes. I, Yeah I, I think that a lot of this is, is Good coverage
1: I think it's also worth noting that um, Like Tesla is, is not Yeah we're, it's, it's 100% based on the cult of Elon Musk And it's worth noting that this is my advice to investors. And this comes in part from a place of I don't like Elon Musk at all. But the man has engaged in union-busting behavior. Um, He's pissed off a lot of regulators and a lot of politicians. And he has been fond of skirting various laws. Yep. Um, And maybe you think that that's part of his genius. But that puts his company's profitability
0: at risk. That puts his um, company whether you at legal risk.
1: Yeah, right. Especially you rely on government credits. But let's say all of a sudden, you know, let's say Biden puts someone who's who's like competent in the position of of labor secretary, and they decide to open an investigation into Tesla about their union busting. Like,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: All of a sudden, yep. you don't get government credits. All of a sudden, you have a bunch of fines, and Tesla doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, right. Like stuff. It's a company that can't soak a lot of damage. If we're going to put a nerd hat on in D anD D, it right. is at best a sorcerer.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And a there's fragile, so much the damage. Yeah. There's so much around that. Um, here's an interesting look at the world. And Tesla. And what we're trying to tell you about, like, you know, politically, things affect what happens on the markets. If we take a look in 2019, the top five lithium producers, Australia with 52.9%, Chile with 21.5%, China with 97 Argentina with 8.3, and Zimbabwe with 2.1. Think about that. Interesting. Think about Elon Musk. Think about what he said about certain places. And this is kind of like where, you know, the markets become a very interesting um, place,
1: yeah, and then if we expand it beyond just lithium to other rare earth metals, which are currently nice. under exploration because a lot of like, a lot of research right now suggests that some of them might help solve certain problems with lithium ion and lithium gap batteries. Uh, uh Greenland, uh, a place in the middle of the nowhere in Canada, Brazil, in the middle of the jungle. Tanzania and South Africa, yep yep exactly. and, and none of those have a lot, like all of those are nothing compared to what China has been able to output historically
0: yep and it can like we touch on something? bit can we touch on something before we move on to the interview Maybe. and all the fun stuff now. Tesla reported record profits, record numbers, but their numbers fell after trading hours. This happens ever so often, Um, and I kind of want to touch on this because I feel like it's important for people to understand that, and this goes back to a previous point where I made, where, yeah, they made money, but they didn't make enough as analysts thought. And Analysts foresee a very, very rocky future. So food for thought. Buckle up. For sure. I yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I know it's overvalued. You know, something
1: that's... to remember is is Tesla has almost never delivered on a promise. Exactly. Or or, or their own internal forecasts. They yeah. regularly underperform based on their own forecasts.
0: This is the thing. Coming from the software world, if a software company, if Apple or Microsoft were to do what Tesla does, they would be eaten alive. Well, but
3: Let's just remember, though. The, yeah, sorry. Go, they're go putting Phil. people in space. They're putting people in space and they're putting satellites in space. And I think that buys them a lot of forgiveness with the government and whatnot, because there are other contracts, and it's not Tesla, it's SpaceX, it's all these other companies
0: that are spun out of there, are doing things that provide them with. It's the cult of Elon. What we started this bit with. It's the cult of Elon. At the end of the day, Elon Musk as a, as a brand, has saved Tesla. Yeah. So far. So far. So far.
1: Right. And, right, quality is starting to slip more and more they're showing various yeah, problems
3: their paint is brutal there's because, a lot of consumer end
1: of it. because he's got to deliver or he starts losing money
3: yep. door panels not lining up
1: and it's <laughs> also worth it's also worth noting that like the the weird part is they cannot keep up to demand Yep, and seem utterly incapable of doing anything about that
0: and what yep. makes me, like, question the markets, and this just goes to show you how, you know, Elon is able to create a brand and is only a brand, is the fact that if any other company delivered the way that Tesla does, they'd be, sh- you know, shat. They'd be shat on. Yeah, So. 100%. I mean,
1: so yeah, Elon's... I I don't understand the allure but Elon somehow is able to to work the markets and social media pretty well
0: cuz he's a he's but, got good know. PR people. He's got good PR people. Like at the end of the day, he sure. goes on TV on in front of cameras, puts on a smile, makes some memeable stuff and that's yeah. that. That's what it comes Smoke down Swede to. So
3: tweet with Gwyneth Paltrow for men. Yep. yep.
0: I mean, yeah. I, I, he I think he's in trouble. The
3: Big Bang Theory.
0: Cuz yeah, like, like
1: I don't know, Kia's saying Kia is saying they're going to have a response to everything Tesla has announced by
0: 2027.
1: There you go. Yeah. Kia is like, we're going to have a a comparable model and price point to everything. Tesla has announced, not even delivered announced. And we're going to have it available in your hands by 2027. Yippers. Like that's a move.
3: And they're owned by Hyundai.
1: <laughs> it's also yeah. worth noting the new Kia logo. Kind of hot. Yeah,
3: yeah. What is it? Oh, it it's like really a nice. weird
1: squiggly line thing. It looks really nice. It's like a, it's like a, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, has some like some Mass Effect inspiration to it, and some like, mm-hmm. it's like a really
3: like sci-fi. Nice. It's good. No, i always like that company. A lot, That's a lot something... of my car is made up of their car.
0: Mass so. Effect, that's something we're going to talk about at the news episode. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Mass Effect and how that company is doing what they're doing, listen to our news show legendary. this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be and,
3: legendary. Yeah. And uh, just a, a primer for the interview we're going to roll into. Um, something that I notice is getting overlooked on a lot of the news reporting this week in the GameStop stuff and the an- analysis that that's being pushed out there, is they're not really mentioning that the sh- the stock itself for GameStop was shorted beyond a hundred percent. So that's not being reported too regularly, and that put these hedge fund companies and whatnot into a very vulnerable position. Yep. Because it was at it was shorted at 120 to 160 percent. The analytics are a little all over the place. Yep. Tyler's probably gathering it up right now, but it's something that gets overlooked when we look at a lot of focus on the Reddit meme game stonk stuff. But it's really important to know that a lot of people just looked at the situation and were able to make a pretty straightforward bet that if somebody's borrowing money to buy stock. And they're doing it in such a way to really shit on that company.
0: Guess what? It's going to bounce. But you know what's yeah, funny, though? It's going though? to bounce if we you call it bounce. You literally—and I know you did this on purpose—but you literally just explain what shorting is. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like for me, you know, for me, it's just unreal how shorting is humanly legal and possible. Like not only are you uh, borrowing stocks that don't exist but you are making exist. money sorry uh, they do exist okay do exist. yes okay you yes. have
1: to actually borrow the stock from someone yes, and part okay. of
0: the yeah it's the it's, it's the financing behind it that doesn't that isn't necessarily yeah. there until after the fact
1: yeah so the counter is you know if i'm lending you my stock i can call it back at any time and then you eat shit on the difference, and a lot of the time we didn't see it as much in GameSpot because of the nature of it, but it happens sometimes that like a, one hedge fund
0: can a retail call investor do this of another hedge yeah. fund? Can a well, retail, no, retail investor, investor do this? That's you want what I mean, short?
1: Yeah. Yes, I can short stuff all the time.
3: Hmm. Yeah, you do it by your action.
1: No, no, no. I, I, I have my my trading.
3: Oh Brokers yeah, just
1: open right here. Yeah, you you get
3: their okay. benefits yeah. and you can make your play. But in the in the Robin Hood sense, all right, I think this is where Boris was going. Like Robin Hood got caught in a capital crunch according to them. Right? Sure. They said that they they were in a position where they the because of the regulations in the states, which are different than the regulations we're going to discuss, yep. the Canadian laws. All right, and we discussed that in the interview. But it's in the states You're actually not allowed to trade the money of the person who paid you You have to finance that money or have that capital somehow otherwise secured So you can't take the money from Robinhood that the trader just gave you And put that money and say, do this, do that They have to hold it for two days So they got caught in a two-day bubble where they're saying "Oh yeah, We just didn't have the billions of dollars because of the amount of volume that went on And how much growth there was we didn't have enough money to pay the government control. <laughs> like, yeah. we they didn't should have. have
1: they should have stopped you people from signing on. And, but they would let you sign, sell it off. But they yeah. wouldn't let you buy it. So no, that's a hundred percent a problem. But the yeah. question was whether or not shorting is legal and whether or not it should no. be. And I'm like, yes, but the other okay. side of it is but... like, okay, Tyler. Melvin Tyler. should have gotten called much earlier.
0: Tyler, yeah. here's the thing. They shouldn't Shorting. be allowed to go over 100%. Shorting could yeah. and should be legal. But yep. where does it turn illegal where if I'm the one in charge... Oh, hold on. A better example. Because if I'm the one doing sure. it, it's fucking illegal. But if you bought a shitload of funds, you tell me yep. I bought or that you've got these these shares. So then yep. I write an article or I go yep. on a something tirade and say this is overvalued sure then what
1: i mean this is that's market
0: manipulation
1: what it's supposed to be no yeah well there's there is market manipulation that is legal and market manipulation that is illegal yeah and what it is is if you know because Kramer is the great example because Kramer fucked a lot of people in 2008 because he was just spouting off. Yep. And the defense was you have no obligation to believe the shit he's saying. Yes. And the, the, the issue becomes how do we regulate that? And even if I agree with you morally that Kramer is for at least in 2008 was a reprehensible human being, with some of the shit he said to do and how much he looked like he was very much profiting off of lying to people. Um, I am more comfortable Regulating whether or not News Which we should have like a, a Framework for is allowed to lie yep. Versus Whether or not I can say I think something Is worthwhile And this is where
0: yeah,
2: 100%, and This, we a really and this is where
0: security yep. Corporate not corporations, Security watchdogs Um you know, like SEC and others, and I know we get into this in our interview, but fundamentally, where they have to, you know, set the rules, and certain companies have to follow the rules of disclosure in order to ensure that yeah. this isn't illegal. That's that's what I was getting at. Like, you know, there's certain oh, rules put in place, and with certain rules put in place, there are. Ways to skirt around rules, and I'm saying to skirt around them, but it's the reality of the world that we live in, guys. Mm-hmm. Yep, people find well, it and goes. the other
1: the other side being, and we go we touched on this briefly in the interview, and it's not like the focus, but like this this the this not the CRA, the the SEC, and really almost every country on earth, they got tugboats going up against battleships yep. when it looks at them trying to take down hedge funds or major institutional investors. And that's a problem. Like, yep. I'd get on side for that. But I think that's a better... like. We have a lot of good rules in place. Yes. But if no one's doing shit with them, they don't mean a goddamn
3: oh, thing. It, it's no one's doing anything with them or the fines don't matter. If you're telling me that I'm, I make $2 billion and you're going to slap a $2,000 regulatory fine on me, then what's the point? I
1: qualify like, that under it's not doing a goddamn thing.
3: Yeah, exactly, that's, and that's that's the frustration that's getting to people right now because it's yeah. like, well, what are the regulations there for if they're meaningless, if they're not enforceable, if they're not,
1: yep. you know, going to exactly.
0: actually do so any damage? With all of that I, said,
1: thing to end on.
0: Yes, yep. Tyler, okay. go please go. I was going to
1: say I know what they're there for they're there for a uh,
0: a political
1: card. For uh, the two political parties in the United States to trade back and forth yep. to ensure that they're getting their own financing. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Because although I am probably more left than either American party, they're both two of the most corrupt. I think there's like two of the most corrupt, fucked up political parties in the Western world. And that being said, one is definitely better than the other. It's not a competition. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. One so, is very obviously
0: not demons. I think that this is a perfect segue, my gentleman, into our interview. Tyler, can you can you can you throw the baseball into this interview? Thank you so much. And now
1: Ian. We've got a guest in the show. Uh in the interest of disclosure. I did go to high school with him. I've known him for more than a decade. Um, but I'm gonna toss it to you to introduce yourself, Ian. <laughs>
4: Uh, Hi, I'm Ian Litrovich. I'm a securities litigator at Morgantian Company. We're a law firm that prosecutes class actions on behalf of investors in Canada. Um, Mostly that has to do with claims for what are called misrepresentations. We might get to that. Um, But basically when people feel like they've been lied to by the companies they've invested in and want to get together and sue them, we represent those folks. So.
1: For the, for the listener who may not know as much about it, when you say investing here, is that just handling shares or is that handling all sorts of other derivatives and similar options as well?
4: Uh, it can involve a lot of different types of securities. We usually, we usually refer to securities writ large um, and then whatever the damages are that we calculate, it's based on warrants, on units, mm-hmm. on, you know, a variety, the, the, it runs the gamut um, depending on the class we define.
1: Yeah, so... This is all coming up in light of a, a number of different weird stock things this week, primarily GameStop, GameStop, GameStop. Um, what's like? What's your quick take on it? And we'll delve into it. Further. I mean, I think that it's
4: yeah, it's it's an interesting experience because it demonstrates the problems with market valuation that exist. There are um, fundamentals to the company that were identified on the Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, saying this company actually looks like it's going to be turning a corner. Um, It's got a new CEO. It's got a new business plan. Um, The market has it currently undervalued. Some of the first investing, and it wasn't just Wall Street bets. That was other retail investors saw this, heard about it on forums. Um, In Canada, for example, we have Stockhouse. We have a couple of their different investor based forums where people will um, talk about what information they have or opinions they have. And the, price, would, you'd expect it to go up and up and up. What sometimes happens in these situations is a hedge fund or a market maker, as we call them, large institutional investor, has a disproportionate impact on the share price because they are able to leverage a massive buy or a massive sell. And so what they did is they determined that if GameStop's stock went down, they stood to make a lot of money if they, what's called, shorted the stock. Which is basically you buy the ability to sell the stock later. If right, when the stock goes down, you sell the stock for a higher value and you make money that way. Mm-hmm. When the stock continues to go up, you are forced to buy stock in order to pay for your position, which means you lose money. So it's one of the few times in which a company going in the wrong direction, as you might say, makes you money. Mm -hmm. Being sort of too loquacious on this. No, it's just. This is is perfect. The issue is basically that a hedge fund and the sort of where the the conversation then turns to the nature of market manipulation. Mm -hmm. The that was levied on Wall Street bets is you all got together and acted in a certain sense like a price fixing cartel. You changed. You've modified the nature of this company's stock price uh, in a way that is probably offside with what we'd expect from securities law, however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. What people in Wall say is, we just came out in the open and shared opinions and suggested that we keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. You, hedge funds, do this all the time. You just call them ideas lunches, and you make sure that you meet um, and. Briefly, I should mention that I, my firm prosecutes securities class actions, but we also deal in some competition class actions and antitrust litigation. And when you look into the evidence that sort of comes from those, there are a lot of lunches and uh, drinks and meetings where it's all, it's not over email, um, but people mm. together and they'll decide like, hey, you know, it would make my life a little bit easier if you could do these things and then the hedge funds kind of get together and let that all happen.
1: Yeah. So it is very much like that scene from the big short where they're at the bar and they're talking about whether or not this stock or that stock is bullshit.
4: Um, Sometimes it's actually extremely explicit. Um, In the Libor scandal years ago, um, there were emails traded between firms saying, Hey, I have a position in this. I need it to stay in a certain range. Can you help me out? And, Mm large institutional investors would move money around to make that happen. So was uh, that, like,
1: again, for the audience that may not be as, as knowledgeable of this, was that found to be
4: bad, basically? That, that was absolutely found to be bad. Um, okay. And yeah. So, and, and that's sort of a quintessential case of price fixing in the investing uh, market. Um, so if it's LIBOR enough to get really into the weeds on that, Specific case, I just I know that that concept and how it mm-hmm. went down there, mm-hmm. and it is it fits with class yeah. actions that I have been involved in that are antitrust class actions about, for example, drug price fixing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came up a few years ago, but it's the exact same situation where people would subtly get together in Washington. They all happen at the same restaurant, and then the next day, doxycycline went up in price by hundred percent across. Yeah, the- wow. That kind of handshake arrangement, as opposed to Wall Street bets, which is people just and suggesting that the company's fundamentals are good, don't let the hedge funds destroy it. Okay, so I I got two
1: direct follow-up questions to delve into that a little bit more. The first is, some people in Wall Street bets are arguing that by nature of it being on a public forum, that that makes it an inherent different in difference in kind. Um, without giving any, you can't give legal advice, to people or anything like that. But do you think that holds any water? Do you think that that like is a thing the courts might find reasonable, or are they just going to throw that out of hand?
4: Remember that Wall Street Bets right now is getting a lot of press Mm -hmm. because you're now seeing people. The investing public has always congregated and shared tips. Um, Problems only really come with when the company gets involved. If GameStop selectively went to people in a private forum Mm -hmm. to tell them that certain good things were going to happen, that would be problematic under the Ontario Securities Act or under the various securities regulations regulatory regimes we have, Mm -hmm. we can't the United States as well. But to talk about a stock is not only okay, in fact, that's the way that you arrive at the most efficient price allocation, because you have people sharing their understanding of where the price should be, which helps efficiency in the market.
1: Okay. And then there's a, a Jim Cramer video from about 2006 that's being shared around again, where he talks about taking specific actions because he had holdings that, you know, the market needed to go in a certain direction for him to make money, and he would then do other things to help make that happen. Um, so is, is, is the hedge fund position, is that the part of regular doing business, and is that the kind of thing the SEC or any institution is at all concerned about?
4: So, um, I could get myself in a little bit of, not actual trouble, but I'll just go for it, because I think everybody who's in this space thinks this way. The regular are consistently outgunned. What you're saying is true on both ends. It is something that the regulator is concerned about. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they have never been effective at uh, changing. And um, I can speak in the Ontario context specifically, and across Canada as well. The reason that we have a specific cause of action where an investor can sue a company for having misled them And can get together class action based on that was in part built around the idea that the Ontario Securities Commission, which is the regulator here, didn't seem to be able to have an effect on the market and uh, uh, making bad behavior go away. And so therefore, when you talk about some of these securities class actions, um, the Valiant Pharmaceuticals case is a great example Um, that recently settled. And the full-on amount paid by Valiant and its uh uh MPW Coopers Cooper's auditor totaled, mm-hmm. I think, $117 million. It was a settlement where the damages were in the billions. Wow. But we you know the the the, the company was actually forced to pay more than you know an SEC fine or more than and and that's sort of the the situation where the only way that a lot of these places get redress is by private action because Mm -hmm. of the fact the regulator doesn't want to happen, but just doesn't have the ability to follow up and and really take a bite out of these companies in the way that some of these larger private actions do.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I think that, that helps talk about the backstory a bit. Um, And I want to delve a bit more into the specifics of the GameStop, Robinhood, Citadel, melvin fiasco but boris and phil do
0: you want to jump in anything will i grab a quick factor in yeah for sure so one of the things that you know taking a step back you know the entire concept of shorting um essentially at the core of it is you have a hedge fund borrowing money for the short right like they don't they're 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 actually not really putting up anything that they own per se they're borrowing the positions and then kind of making money off of the difference how is this legal how is this possible like i can't go and borrow positions as a normal person can i
4: well so there's two ways of looking at it um what i'm referring to is when you have a leveraged acquisition which is that you are borrowing money in order to obtain your position um which is an extremely risky thing that you know generally speaking, your financial advisor will wave you off of uh, in part because that's kind of what caused the Great Depression.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> no sort of for financial markets, well, for people, I mean obviously, but um, in the ability to short just in general, there's actually benefits to it. Um, there are companies that are overvalued and it speaks again to that idea of valuation in the market tends to not be quite accurate. The the sort of example I give is that the stock market at its best, and Wall Street at its best, assigns value. And that value is useful. Because if you have a company like Boeing, for example, and you say, this is a company that manufactures a certain number of planes of a certain quality, we want to be able to sort of assess how much is that company worth. Or if you, you know, I was thinking Cargill Grain, although I think they're actually private, but you know, or an agricultural company, they produce this wheat this much agricultural product which feeds this many people collectively we can value that we have a sense of what that should be worth they're overvalued for example you know when the boeing max went down um max fiasco went down it inappropriate that boeing's stock price went down because its value as a company was diminished by the fact that they were not able to produce planes and they had to fix them and there's all these issues. And so if you were short, having heard that, you know, that the, 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 there were these problems, that would be the market efficiently correcting the price of Boeing. It really arises from that sort of, I mean, conspiratorial is perhaps strong because, you know, alleged conspiracy can, is, has a bunch of legal requirements. Mm-hmm. But when these places get together and try to not the you know the, the stock price back down to earth and back down to you know an appropriate level but try to tank it and torpedo it right um it that run into some problems and that's when you see companies re- issuing press releases sort of trying to correct see from short seller reports claiming problems
1: mm-hmm. uh, i just want to i guess yeah for point of clarification as well from my understanding, I'm just gonna get Ian to verify me as our expert of the week, is, is there's a difference between naked shorting, which is when you're selling something and you have nothing to cover that position other than hope and money, um, versus covered shorting, which is you would buy, you would short a position and then you'd either buy a call or a put or some other instrument to help limit your exposure. So you can use it to create more complex solutions. And in some way, it's a building block that helps you build a bigger position.
4: Yeah, Tyler's absolutely right, um, and and I should say that my expertise is, is much more in terms of mm-hmm. the legal framework rather than the actual investing structure. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. I will tell you that um, um, because I'm a lawyer and because I therefore get access to insider information, um, I obviously cannot trade shares in any company in which I'm involved in litigation mm-hmm. um, for a variety of ethical reasons, yeah. but I actually had a conversation once with someone who's, you know, um, in my firm and we were sort of talking about, you know, this insider information and the fact that places you will see this, we will have a class period that will start at a certain time because they announced bad information that they mm-hmm. have not been telling the market. And if you look at the share price data and you look at the actual stock data, you'll see that there's a giant volume of shares traded the day before.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm not going to tell any refer to any individual case because yeah. I, I shouldn't. Well, I can't allege fraud unless I can. Um, Yeah. But I can say that there are times in which you see you're like, oh, okay, so the day before you told the market that there's, you know, there's no gold in them hills or there's, Mm you know, various problems, all of your options are exercised and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then some people from Wall Street Bets have built on that and said that that itself becomes an indicator of company performance.
4: Sorry, I, should, I, I need some clarification on that. No,
1: yeah, so, so it's become part of the meme of the Wall Street bets in the larger community of some people have now started to point at when CEOs start exercising a lot of options and that before any announcement, that's starting to become part of disclosure, they're alleging.
4: Well, so that's... that's, that's nice not proper right.
1: disclosure, yeah, it's not pl- proper disclosure, but they're starting to work to bring that into their decision making.
4: An interesting point about disclosure requirements writ large, which <clears> is that the market is efficient when there are proper disclosures. And there are requ- legal requirements to every quarter produce what's called a management summary, sorry, management discussion and analysis, or an MDNA, alongside your quarterly financial results. And you have to disclose everything that has a material impact on your business and how it has changed in the last quarter. And if you don't, you are to liability under the Securities Act. Hmm. Like, anytime you issue any press release or you discuss any nature of your business, you are required by law to produce enough information to make it not a misrepresentation. So what do I mean by that? If you comment on, you know, we're constructing this project and you mention that it's behind schedule, that could be a misrepresentation.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so when you talk about these sort of disclosure requirements and then going back to the hedge funds issue, the issue that comes out of this is when people have information that they don't, that they share with each other, but they don't share with the broader market. And that happens time and time again, and it's referred to as selective disclosure and is also prohibited.
1: Awesome. So the allegations that are going around right now, uh, which are to the nature of, melvin and a few others have closed their positions according to allegedly a series of advertisements and then some market analysts are saying that's just not true that could be a problem is what we're what we're saying then
4: it can be actually it can be a even bigger problem. First of all, it runs afoul of the selective disclosure issue I mentioned. But secondly, mm-hmm. there is now a case law in Canada as of a few years ago that refers to what are called storm warnings. And that's a, the term that's been used in the United States for a very long time. And what it really means is if you see certain bad omens, for example, a CEO getting fired, um, constitutes a storm warning that will lead um, investors to liquidate their position mm-hmm. and will actually constitute. Um, what's called a partial correction to misrepresentations that you've made in the past. Interesting. Say that, you know, if you have been in bad financial shape and you don't you fire your CEO, the class period for any potential class action will actually now start on the day you fired your CEO and won't start necessarily on the day when you finally tell the market about all the terrible things you did. Okay, Um, if stock price, and that, that sort of gives you an opportunity to decide how you want to plead your case. And if the stock price actually, you know, if, if, depending on where the, the share price is and how much the damages are, you might actually choose to go earlier in your class period and say, no, no, no when you fired the CEO, we're going to sue based on that. Because that's the point in which you told people who know what they're looking for to get out of the market.
1: Awesome. So let's get now into the specifics. And one of the big allegations that we're starting to see. Is that Robinhood, who is a broker, um, which means that they allow an individual to buy and sell shares and other market securities, is allegedly hiding stocks, limiting transaction amounts, and or exercising people's options or liquidating people's options without their consent.
4: So I'm I'm just going to say I'm a little bit hesitant to specifically comment on what an individual entity has done, yeah, of course, reality of it. Um, that disclaimer, notwithstanding, um, mm-hmm. the what you have described and especially um, mm-hmm. exercising on other people's behalf uh, is clearly problematic. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that Robin Hood is meant to be a forum that simply transacts business, but is now tipping the scales runs it's own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in fact, for these reasons that you've seen alternative exchanges pop up, um, in an attempt to avoid front running or some of the disclosure, oblig- or sort of issues that you've described, mm-hmm. um, is because people are fed up with being controlled. Yeah. So, but that said, yes.
1: Yeah. R- roughly. It's a bad look. Um, so, so tying that to disclosure, uh, We did have Vlad Tenev, the CEO of Robinhood, go on CNBC after a day of trading when all this activity allegedly began, and he kind of said, like, oh, this is all because Robinhood couldn't support, like, if something went wrong, we financially were liable and we didn't have the bank to do it. So without going into the specifics of this, if an action happens and then the CEO kind of backfills why, can that be the kind of thing that kind of trips those disclosure concerns?
4: Thinking about that because it's an interesting question. Um, the disclosure requirements on a situation like this would be CEO, when commenting on the decision being made, would need to disclose the entirety of that process. Mm-hmm. CEO mm-hmm. omitted a discussion of that, a partial discussion of the reasoning. Um, that could be a disclosure issue. Mm-hmm. The difficulty is to determine disclosure of the reasoning affects the actual action. Yeah, action is what will cause damage to an individual investor or to a class of investors. Now, it can all be is is all relevant. And would be mm-hmm. very prejudicial to any position that Robin Hood or a similar entity would take if they ever got into litigation, because it would it would be indicative. Uh, you know, I was going to say ex post facto of, of, of justifying after the fact um, actions that they already took.
2: Yeah,
4: that's sort of a situation where um, the the issue is again about color more than specific a specific cause of action to come out of that.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and we don't want to get you in any trouble over commenting on these specifics. <laughs> We're just in a very weird time. I think there's value in you providing kind of what guidance you can to people. Um, so I want to go into like a really weird direction with it for a second because there's a new meme going around, which is that uh, this should be treated as though it was a quote democratic hedge fund. So they're arguing that all these people happening to like discuss information and then collectively make these decisions of where their stocks are or are not going to go should be considered to be kind of a democratic hedge fund or like a hedge fund that is also a co-op of all the investors um do you think that that has any sort of legal weight or consideration at all is it anything you've ever heard of um or is I mean, it just that sounds like a cartel of extra steps
4: the, the, the reason that cartels are illegal, and I'm thinking of something that Adam Smith wrote in Wealth of Nations, that people who mm-hmm. sell them trade seldom meet, even for merriment or diversion, but the conversation always ends in a conspiracy against the public or a contrivance to raise prices. Is that those people he was talking about were meeting at a pub in 1776 and then figuring out what to do with price fixing. The strength that Wall Street Bets has on its side is it all happened out loud. I go yell in the town square, I don't think apples should cost as much as they do. And everybody got together and said, yeah, we're not going to buy apples until they cost less. That's not, you know, that's just the market setting prices. That's that's equilibrium b- being arrived at um, via supply and demand. Um, and so, I ha- I'll i confess that I've not heard the term uh, democratic hedge fund or co-op hedge fund before, which is a, just a great confluence of Pure unbridled oh. capitalism,
1: and it's <laughs> why it had to be brought up. Was I saw this this doing the meme of like we should like make this official, and I was like, we gotta talk. We gotta get someone that can talk about
2: this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, I mean, and then the other thing we should keep in mind is that you know, as far as securities laws are concerned, um, the there are certain uh, regulations that are specific to to, to investment banks um, and, and entities like that. But when it comes to individual investors the concerns are more about trying to speak to the general case rather than trying to format you into mm-hmm. you know a category um we'll go online and one thing I and I don't want to again give legal advice but if you go online and you start talking to people in a public forum about what you think should happen with something you don't have mm-hmm. insider information the the effects that you have on the share price are because of your own transactions that you are and as I say out loud in front of other people, um, and that's completely fine. And you know, if and this is sort of the irony, it's actually the type of pure form capitalism that a lot of these hedge funds would purport to support, because it is people actually trying to affect the market by setting prices towards an equilibrium that they believe exists. The mm-hmm. problem that hedge funds have is they used to just do that for them, <laughs> and. On Unrelated note that wasn't unrelated, they made a ton of money off of that. <laughs> and yeah, we have seen these happen in, in years past too. I mean, they're one of the great allegations in the 1997 financial crisis was that hedge funds specifically targeted the value of Asian currencies mm-hmm. um, in order to, and this is, you know, in a theoretical sense, in order to drive them down and force privatizations. Now, that's a much larger topic to get into, but the point is just to say that hedge funds have disproportionate market power and are now sort of irritated that people are ex- exercising market power mm-hmm. that they used to do clandestinely.
3: Mm-hmm. That's been one of the major themes that I've been picking up off of a lot of the financial news things is is you have a real resistance by some of the people who are saying we don't like this change because we can't drive it. This <laughs> is really the way it comes off to me the average lay guy, right? And it's just like what's happening?
4: it's a problem that, I mean, just any time I think you have a institution that is a market maker and is now forced to um, relate itself to the demands of investors. And this has actually happened, incidentally, we've we've had this come up in in class actions involving uh, ESG factors, as they're called, uh, which is basically social governance concerns when investors and Large institutional investors will now place value on you know, what sort of, what's your supply chain look like? Are you making sure you don't use child labor? Are you making sure that you're, you, know, you have all these different things that we care about? And there's a famous case in the United States of uh, involving the Dodge, brothers, Dodge and Ford back in the 20s where the original concept was, no, you only owe money to your shareholders. That's all you care about. Mm-hmm. You have to make money. Now, shareholders are saying, well, we actually care about some other stuff, too. And there's been a lot of pushback because in general, funds and financial institutions don't want to modify the way they do business. They would prefer to focus exclusively on shareholder value as defined through that fairly narrow lens. And on an unrelated note again, shareholder value means that they get commissions and certain benefits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back for a second just to get a quick thing hammered out for the audience that may not know. So when you're saying, you know, if I talk on, in the public square, if I go out in the street and start yelling about Apple prices, that's fine and dandy. Um, It appears when when a personality goes on television, that's fine and dandy. Um, What is it, is it different or not if an individual goes somewhere that is behind a paywall? So for example, I set up Tyler's uh, mailing list and it's ten bucks a month, and I talk to CEOs. And who knows if you get better investment advice out of that or not? Does that qualify as this public option or not? Or this public discussion is that part of making the market?
4: If, well, I think what you've described here is a method by which you created a private forum with a separate selective disclosure situation, in which you're hoping to glean information from executives at companies. Mm-hmm. That's a foul. Of the Securities Act in specific, in, in, like specifically um, price fixing generally. And it, I, I would have to double check, but I think you might be um, running a foul of the Competition Act, at least in Canada, because again, you're talking about certain price fixing that you'd be doing. If the question is sort of, are, am I allowed to go and privately speak to people who I think around? Fine, as long as you're not. Um, um, Getting insider information.
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: uh, Uh, Yeah, go for it. Go Go ahead. I I, I just want to draw the comparison between what what is different than about a company like Bloomberg that has a periodical that ostensibly is giving you information you can't get anywhere else, and you know competition may make it such that you can get that information or analogous elsewhere, but you have to pay to get. Like, why is that? How is that different? I guess is what the question is.
4: Well, I think that there's also a sort of X factor that mm-hmm. comes from your ability to um, clandestinely share information that moves the price versus mm-hmm. what I think you've described as still public information. It's behind a paywall, but it that information can get out and is accessible. Yeah. If, if I meet someone for coffee instead,
2: mm-hmm. there's
4: no record of it, and I'm talking about, you know, I think a good quarter – agree on that you personally can make a lot of money because we have control over a billion in assets. Yeah. That's different that's a different Mm -hmm. altogether. Yeah. Okay. I just want to get that. that Yeah. Over. When I talk about disclosure obligations though, generally speaking those those are disclosure obligations I'm discussing in the context of information that the company puts out. Mm -hmm. And and that that can go sideways too. I've I've seen instances in which there are private Facebook groups. Um, for investors in a company. And uh, executives in the company will pop into the group and say like, you know, hey, how's up? Certain good things are happening. And I see that cringe because mm. I'm thinking you gotta, you, if you're saying it here, you have to say it, well, it's called CDAR, you have to say it publicly. You have to say it on the system that is constructed for letting people know.
1: Yeah. So, but if a CEO, for example, set up an automated process went on CDAR and their Facebook group at the same time. They'd be
4: okay. Yeah, well, as it went yeah. to everyone. That's and that's yeah. the issue. But again, it comes back to the sort of broader principle. The, the principle of securities regulation is investor protection. That's the reason it exists: is to make sure mm-hmm. that you don't get hosed. That's the reason why the Securities Act of 1933 exists in the U.S. And this is why um, you know the, the legal framework has been developed the way it is. Is you want to give investors as much information as possible because the only way that you get a well-run market is by providing them all information, even if it's good or bad, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in basically an attempt to avoid snake oil salesmen. Um, and when you sort of think about that as the guiding light behind these things, I think it kind of helps to understand the disclosure obligations and how you can stay on side of them.
1: Okay. So I, I, we, had a, we had a conversation before recording where you mentioned the, the generalized, generalized, the general transition in the market in that you said that we used to have a certain level of retail investors as kind of a percentage of the market, and that's increased significantly.
4: It has. Um, I would have to double-check my numbers. My understanding, mm-hmm. I believe it was that institute, retail investors constitute something like 10% of the market, 15 years ago and is now more like 25% of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so an explosion in the number of retail, I should without using those, let's just put it this way. There has been a substantial increase in the proportion of the market that is um, represented by retail investors. Mm-hmm.
1: So retail investors are someone like and me, Boris, Phil, you going out there and just buying stocks, even directly like, yeah, if we're just going on an interactive brokers or whatever. And I'm buying stocks. I'm a retail investor.
4: Exactly. Um, and I should say that because I, I work in the class action space, I speak to class members. Um, I used to, uh, my contact information is given when we give notices to the class and I get calls. And it's quite often that they are just there's a guy who's a pipe fitter and looked at a stock, saw some good things were happening, wanted to make money off of it. Um, yeah. And they'll call in from all across Canada. And it's occasionally the case that I'll get a call from an institutional investor, but this Proportionate number of, of calls I get and emails I get are from people who you know they were wanting to save for retirement, they wanted to you know make money day trading, um, mm-hmm. and and that is that is a, a substantial portion of the market. Uh, in a way, I think maybe people don't realize when we talk about Wall Street and the way that the market behaves.
1: Do you, Do you think, and this is not trying to bind you to anything, just kind of your general feeling, your gut on the matter. Do you think that is in part driven by Covid in the last two years of it, um, do you think that's helping to continue to drive that trend?
4: I think there's there's a few inputs, and these are not me speaking um, on the legal basis, but just my own sort of having yeah. watched the market and, and things. I um, think there's a few parts to it. Um, Covid is definitely part of it. I think the other issue that has sort of developed a attempt, at least when I speak to class members. Um, there is an attempt that people have made to leverage investments in order to make up for stagnant wages.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: The pitch that sometimes happens is: you know, investments are how you make your real money because you can see them. If you look at Wall Street, they seem to be doing great. Um, and so you'll have people say, like, if I just nail it on one, mm-hmm. you know, one investment, and I'm thinking specifically, Dell, the computer company, um, when it was first staying off the ground, there were people in Austin who invested in it and they referred to as Dellionaires because they got in on the ground floor, it went crazy big, and they all had Mm -hmm. these giant homes and they were just sort of rando Calrissians.
2: Yeah.
4: So for a lot of people, you know, you you look at the situation where you're, you got a school, you have a lot of student debt, housing prices are crazy. And you think to yourself, well, it's not like I'm going to get to where I want to get to if I work 40 hours a week doing me. i got to figure out some other way of getting this money, and that sometimes comes from investments. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why, and I'm speaking personally here, I find it sort of heartbreaking sometimes when I see malfeasance and misfeasance in the market that is specifically targeting these people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've seen instances in which, you know… Uh, uh, well, that'd be too specific. It'd be, it could be your little, field. They figure that one out. Um, but instances, which, for example, a company is referred to working on a cure for COVID and their stock price shot up. Sure. Um, it, it doubled. And I'm yeah. like, no, you're not. You're you're saying that because you're trying to pump the stock up so you can exercise options, and then you're going to dump it and you're going to leave these people holding the bag. And sure enough, the share price fell off the wagon right after that.
1: Yeah, um, so just to, just to, just to confirm that, we're, that people are falling if they're a little less you know, on the wall with this, so the institutional investors don't tend to fall for that kind of thing. It's more like the retail investor at home.
4: No, no. and that's the thing, especially there'll be times when you read press releases. Um, you know, I remember earlier storm warnings. Mm-hmm. And in, in Canada actually allows you to distinguish and delineate between um, people with expertise in the market and people without expertise in the market in terms of how they react to information and news in the market. And so I mentioned the idea of a CEO being fired. Investors know it's time to get out of here. Um, if you're leaving abruptly, like in this, the case I'm thinking of, uh, if you want to look it up, it's Kauf and uh, Colt resources, but anyway, uh, the case I'm thinking of, the CEO bailed right after an uh, investigation was launched into misappropriation of funds. Now. Disclosure saying that the funds were gone, that you know the company's dying or anything like this. Um, it was just this person is no longer going to be working with us, and instead we've had, we're excited to announce a new CEO coming on the scene. So, institutional investors bailed. Other people sort of say like, "Oh, that's weird," but okay, management shuffle, fine. I know there's capital shuffles sometimes, so maybe that's the same thing. Um, and then you know, fast forward a few months, and it's like, yeah, okay, all the money's gone. We have no more money. Yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. And, and so there's that sort of delineation between the retail and the institutional that even in law, we acknowledge that, you know, if you, you need to have the best information you can to make those decisions because sometimes you don't know how to read between the lines.
1: Yeah. So to tie to that and to tie a little bit to the, the larger sentiment we're seeing is there's, there's becoming this weird... Uh, political discussion and it seems to be happening more in the states than Canada a little bit about what if anything should be done about this kind of at a legislation a legislative level. Um, yeah and it, and it seems to be not so much hit by by the party politics that we've seen kind of in general. Uh, but we are kind of seeing this this one group kind of go like now nah, this is the market operating as it should. you did a naked short. you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: play stupid games with stupid prizes. <laughs> uh, how do you, how do you personally like feel about that, and then comparing it to 2008, which is becoming like a big comparator point, um, with some people kind of ex- explicitly branding this as the revenge for 2008.
4: Right. So there's sort of a couple of points. One is to sort of say, you know, we're never, we're always shenanigans even under mm-hmm. the current legal regime. I'm um, reminded of you know, the economic student who's given a problem saying, there's problems with crime in this community, uh, what steps do you economically take to remove that problem? And they said, oh, we make crime illegal. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a similar thing. It's sort of saying, you know, there has been market manipulation, what do we do? Well, you make market manipulation illegal, which it already is. Mm-hmm. so when it that and that's sort of the the first instinct to say is that you know there, it's about actually applying laws that exist um and allowing and allowing sort of for an investor focused mindset in you know the revenge for two thousand eight or you know is this the way the market is supposed to act and adapt to these kinds of situations and it is A catharsis to see that hedge funds engaging in naked shorts um, are what they're experiencing, especially when so many people were foreclosed on in two thousand eight. And forget that the two thousand eight ripple effect went well beyond just the housing market. I mean, the the fact that interest rates shot way up are in no small part what led to the eurozone crisis that followed immediately. Then after, yeah, because. All of these, com- all these countries that had been paying X percent for their treasury bonds or for their, their, their uh, the bonds ent- issued by their various central governments, um, I should say, um, we're now having to pay at a much inflated rate. Um, and to put historical further historical context, it is exactly that type of movement in interest rates and uh, difficulties that come from financial malfeasance that. Large way led to financial crisis in Latin America in the eighties. It was interest rates shot up in an attempt to deal with stagflation in the United States, which is to say that the economy was not growing, but inflation was very high, and it meant that countries across Latin America had to default on loans because suddenly the the, the money that they owed to American banks was had to be paid at a much mm-hmm. higher rate. Um. Anyway, all to say that you know there are these disproportionate knock on effects that financial markets have on much. More than just a hedge fund that is being harmed yeah and so, you know if you periodically force them to touch the hot stove a benefit of getting them to actually maybe remember that there are stoves that are hot yeah it's <laughs> bad um so i think in sort of there there's a two-pronged issue there which is one should there be legislative change um on the exercise of mm-hmm. the Securities Act um, in terms of what new mm-hmm. legislations require. Before I commented more fully on it, but the, the instinct I have is to, it's an enforcement issue more than anything else. Yeah. And then on the second point, it's more of like, yes, absolutely, market corrections like this are healthy if they actually force. Um, or institutional actors to you know take these threats seriously mm-hmm. and try to actually value stocks at a price the right place. Yeah.
1: so, so there was a, a report not too too long ago, but it basically said that for every dollar that gets invested into the IRS,
0: and a lot of my dad is
1: American mm-hmm. because that's what we've been reading into it now. But basically, there was a report that said something along the lines of for every dollar that we put into IRS funding, the American government gets six dollars in terms of just, they're better able to enforce the rules that are already in place. So your position is that, you know, some on the lines of that enforcement mechanism, that proper funding for the SEC or the Canadian equivalent is gonna be probably more important than any actual changing of the guard in terms of, you know, figureheads in charge of the institutions and or changing rules that aren't gonna be enforced anyways.
4: I mean, I can do you one better. So you mentioned the Canadian sure. regulators. And just yeah. for your your audience to understand briefly, I, I'll refer to the Ontario Securities Commission. That's not me referring to just um, because I'm Toronto and I'm in the center of the universe. It's because uh, every individual province in Canada has a different securities regulator. Um, all of the securities acts across Canada are very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. And there are periodically calls for a unified Canadian regulator. But while the United States has the SEC, we don't have an equivalent. Anyway, that being... Just as a bit of background, um, money spent on the enforcement division of the uh, Securities Commission, um, which actually goes and gets money back from fraud or malfeasance, or, is the best investment outside perhaps of the uh, the CRA mm. that we make, like our society, in terms of return on amounts spent. Um, and... I mean, the Securities Commission Enforcement Branch, I believe, and I would have to double check this, actually makes money. So we fund it, but because yep. the enforcement means that fines come in, like, it's it's a net gain, despite yeah, it, the fact they're ostensibly—I mean, if I were to tell you that the, you know, the NYPD made money every year, yeah. you sort of think, like, that's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At the very least. Um, at least like, I, I we can kind look of what at. Yeah. 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 I mean, that would be a very different sort of, you wonder where that money's coming from.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's, it's similar to how auspice, the United States Postal Service, used to be a net gain as well. Like, he used to make money.
4: Um, and enforcement of these things. And I should say the other sort of, are the, the, these large class actions that get started um, when there's corporate malfeasance or misfeasance. And... Part of the reason these things exist is because lawyers will take on, when it's a class action like that, they'll take on on contingency fee, which creates a financial incentive to go after every company that does these bad things Mm -hmm. because you're getting some piece of the overall settlement or the overall trial judgment as it happens. And um, in the United States, where this has been existing for much longer than in Canada, there's a a class action against Vendi Universal in which I believe the jury award was $2 billion. And so when you talk about sort of return on investment and incentivizing people policing the markets, that sort of incentivization and putting it in the hands of private, um, private practice to go after these things is actually does have some effect on the market and actually mm-hmm. changing behavior. So yeah, it, it seems
1: to be that the instance where a private or semi-private kind of option there seems to be helping. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just to get a little bit of extra on that for the audience, how does that, like, because, because you're a class action, how does that affect, let's say, you know, I got, let's say I bought one share in this company and then malfeasance happened? So, just to, like, really put a pin in it for the audience, like, what does that mean for that individual?
4: In terms of the class action? Yeah. So, um, be as brief as possible because these things can get a little bit spin out <laughs> if I let them. Uh, there's basically two stages. There's certification, which mm-hmm. is if you're going to be a class action, you, you have to get the court to let you be a class action. You there's a five part test. I won't go through, but basically you have to can be dealt with on a common basis. There have to be what are called common issues, um, an identifiable class, a cause of action there's a few check marks or boxes to check off. At which point, if you're an investor, you will get a notice um, online or even in the mail. You'll get it through your brokerage firm sometimes telling you there is a class action. Mm -hmm. To at that point, you can opt out. You're in it. And if action has settled, you will have certification first, and then you will have to get actual court approval of the settlement Mm -hmm. because the court steps in and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're speaking on behalf of a lot of people here. Did you do the best you could? Yep. Um, and it's not a rubber stamp. Settlements have been rejected by the courts. Mm-hmm. Okay. At that point, if you're an individual person, you will have gotten a notice first telling you that you are a uh, class member, mm-hmm. um, will be able to either object to the settlement or opt out of it entirely. There's then the approval hearing where you are allowed to come and speak and say, this thing is garbage, please don't do it, or this thing is great. Please give me money. And then there'll be a claims process in which you will fill out a claim form online, or you will there'll be some system that will be set up with what's called a claims administrator. And whatever amount of money was obtained will be sort of sent out to you. Um, the quick and dirty of it um, in the procedure of a class of action. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the, the first part of that is actually like issuing a, a claim.
2: Yeah, you're lawsuit.
1: going through the but, full yeah. lawsuit. I just meant like so so the individual gets like assuming they opt all the way in and they get represented by you as part of this class, they are getting money out of it or they're getting whatever comes at some prorated percentage.
4: works. it's usually, and I should, sorry, I just want to be clear. It's, they don't opt in. It's, it's opt out system. They, they, they don't opt out. Because I want to declare that. Yeah. Yeah, They don't opt out and are in the class. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. will get a, a pro rata, um, amount of distribution in accordance with what's called a plan of allocation. Mm -hmm. Um, that system needs to be approved by the court, but it can actually change. Sometimes Mm -hmm. situations in which you sort of say like, okay, if we were to actually just do a straight shot, everybody gets, um, you know, whatever. You look at how big their position is and however big your position is, you get a portion of your damages based on that. Um, You can, there's sometimes that gets wonky. So you're allowed to mess around with that. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of it.
0: Awesome. So, Let's take a step back, and the reason for that is I know a lot of people listening are watching the news, seeing what's going on, seeing people make money, and there's a lot of people now interested in the markets. There's a lot of people who say, hey, I can do this too. So I think over the next few weeks, months, possibly years, we're going to be seeing a lot more retail investors, you know, the average Joe going in and playing mm-hmm. the market with their with their quote-unquote extra money. Now, one thing I've been seeing a lot of is, let's talk about kind of like, you know, protections. And- how these people can go about the market? Because, you know, sometimes these people will announce on social media, hey, I'm investing in X, Y, Z, you should too. <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, <laughs> you know, what should retail new people playing the stock market kind of avoid doing just because I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of eyes now on the, every trade mm-hmm. being made for the next little bit. Um, I, My sort of...
4: First of all, there there are, there are legal prohibitions on me actually giving investment advice on any specific level. Um, but I can speak sort of in a general case of just investor protection. Um, you know, knowing what you're investing in with specificity is very helpful because if you sort of follow trends, you can get left behind on trends. And um, one thing that's I've, I've heard this phrase used sometimes is you know you see a stock going down, and um, Boeing. Earlier in, mm-hmm. uh, in the recording, uh, you see a stock like Boeing going down, and you want to get it at the bottom because you think you're going to get it back on its way up. Sometimes we call that trying to catch a knife.
2: Because
4: yep. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you see something on its way down and you think to yourself, like, oh, well, it'll eventually go back up, maybe it won't. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, Boeing's a pretty safe company. I mean, that's I'm not trashing Boeing. I'm just, that's when this came yeah. up as a conversation topic. But, you know, mm-hmm. you'll see something, you'll say, like, oh, well, you know, Well, I won't pick a specific company, but that's something to be aware of. Um, The other thing to sort of be aware of is be a big believer in, like, trust your gut. If a company's telling you something that you're thinking, like, wow, that's incredible, it might actually not be credible. Mm -hmm. Um, Notwithstanding the fact that we have these disclosure obligations, notwithstanding the fact there's liability, specifically Securities Act for misrepresentations, notwithstanding the fact that we have a Securities Commission, all these sorts of things, there are bad actors out there that still do these bad things yep
1: wait yeah with wait, if if all if all these allegations like it's robin hood are proven to be true like that's the kind of thing that you know all of a sudden you're in trouble for as an individual retail investor um i do also want to touch really briefly on that since since boris brought it up of are you able to talk about what trading on the margin is really briefly for an abstract level <laughs>
4: but it's it's a little bit outside my bailiwick. Um, yeah, fair. All
1: right, yeah, I just mean uh, in I terms of it's it's, you know, you're just you're borrowing money usually from your broker that you're trading with.
4: Um yeah. And that's I mean, part I, of I, like what, say, in generalities that's what my understanding is. Um, yeah, I understand I how, yeah, I just wanted that high level. Yeah,
1: I just want a high level um because one of the reasons that Robin Hood did really well for a spell there was they had very good Margin terms, um, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you know enough to comment on this, Ian, or not. But my understanding, in, in tied to that, is that broadly speaking, Canada has more stringent regulations about trading on the margin than the states do.
4: I believe that to be the case. Yeah. Um, having spoken to other people about this in the past, um, I have yet to have reason to sort of go down that legal rabbit hole and, and learn a <clears> lot <throat> about, about it. That's fair, yeah. But I do know, I can say in general, um, Canadian re- Canadian regulation is a bit more stringent than that of the United States.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can also point out, sorry. I know I've seen, sorry, I've seen on, while well, people were reacting to what's going on with Robinhood. I saw a lot of Canadians online going, oh, I can fully trade the stock. It's not yeah. prohibited from my particular Canadian app. Yeah. You know what but, I mean? Yeah, you cannot
1: use Robinhood if you're a Canadian citizen without an American account. You're not, like, you have to right. prove that you have an American set of holdings to use Robinhood as a Canadian.
3: Yeah. I'm just saying that yeah. Canadians were still able to yeah. trade it on their apps because they weren't faced with what Robinhood is claiming. Yeah. To further the point that we probably have better. Protections here or better regulation on that stuff?
4: In general, um, yes. That, that, uh, that, yeah. that is my understanding.
1: I, I want to circle around briefly to one very closely related story before we lose you, because I know we got to get close to wrapping up pretty soon. Um, but so AMC got a similar but smaller bump um, from, looks like, from Wall Street Bets. And they, in turn, were able to use that to renegotiate their debt. For a layperson, what how <laughs>
4: um again this is this is a specific situation uh, i do know that you know uh is that will we'll, when they have good financial moments mm-hmm. will then seek to renegotiate debt conditions um and whatever those conditions are or whatever those investment vehicles are uh it's sort of between them and sometimes, you know, these places are fine with changing the, the debt conditions yeah. uh, because they want to anyway. Um, and, you know, it, it helps them de-risk if they're not charging punishing interest
2: mm-hmm.
4: in a default. Um, but those are all each individual business decisions rather than sort of legal
2: issues as yeah. much.
4: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I saw not only AMC, but I think I saw someone saying, like, so is Blockbuster about to get a lot of money shot into it? Um, also, <laughs> I think BlackBerry's had a very good opening to this quarter. Yeah, BlackBerry,
1: um, yeah, there's a few. Apple and Microsoft did surprisingly poorly. Tesla, I mean, Tesla's the, the, the poster child of this. Given yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of yeah,
4: an odd throwback to 2008 with Biden Administration taking over BlackBerry <laughs> being important yeah it's just the whole world reverted about 12 years just briefly Francis Fukuyama was right history ended
1: <laughs> uh, it, it, Boris Phil uh, is there anything else you want to wrap this up with I know we're getting close to time
0: no, I think, no. I, I honestly think that we got a lot of information. I think that, you know, our listeners who do want to start dipping their toes into the market for sure have some things to think about, to, you know, to do some more research. And again, we're not trying to give anyone any advice. We're not trying to give anyone any legal advice, any stock advice, anything. We're just trying to put mm-hmm. information in your earbuds so that you can take it and make your own decisions. Yeah. And and you're being informed,
1: which is important, and you can understand some of this stuff. Yeah, uh, I know that you're a lawyer, so you don't, you don't, you don't probably don't need to do the usual social media shout out that a lot of our guests do. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there is there anything a cause uh, a thing you care about that you want to give some attention to, or you know anything like that?
4: Wow, I mean, you're putting me on the spot now. I mean, yeah, I'm in my investor rights headspace, so I'm just sort of <laughs> thinking like, please invest well and don't lose money. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Look at the charts.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Well, yeah, I, I'll do
1: Ian's shout out for then, really quick, because Ian is pulling me into Sea of Thieves, which is apparently a good game. So uh, we'll ooh. find out and I'll probably report back on that. Great.
0: Everyone is playing this game. You're like the fifth <laughs> person that I know who's like, getting back into this game. Uh, Ian's pulling me in.
3: Damn. Wow. I went there once and so I've been enjoying it. it a lot. That's
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And, you know, best of luck. And I'm sure we're going to be in touch because there's, I think, uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. It was a really great conversation. Thank you. Awesome. That was awesome. And that was that. Thank you so much, Ian. I really enjoyed that interview a lot. Ian taught us a lot about the markets, what's legal, what's not legal. He uh, talked to us about, you know, gotchas so to speak um, and that was a fantastic interview so Tyler thank you for bringing him on thank you for having him join the It's Canon podcast family and I hope he enjoyed himself yeah Ian's
1: a great buddy of mine I've known him for longer than a decade um, and he asked me to mention that if you have any investor rights issues if you know you got screwed over by Robinhood and you're a Canadian somehow. I don't think that one's possible, but let's say you get screwed over by, I don't know, Trade or someone. Um, he said, feel free to drop him a line at Liberovich at gmail.com. That is L-I-T-E-R-O-V-I-C-H at gmail.com. And yeah, long Ukrainian last
0: names. I know, I uh, love it. I love it. Um, no, So yeah, thank you, you so much, Ian. And I hope you're Good listening, time. and I hope that you come back so that we can learn out about legal legality and legal stuff a lot longer because honestly this has been such a fun week for me because you know I don't know if you guys have noticed we're gonna talk about this before we go. It's the It's Gannon podcast where we talk about comics, video games, etc, etc. Yeah, we were known as the Geek Show, but now we're gonna be known as the Pop Culture Show because Pop Culture is where it's at. We are talking about more than just the geek stuff we're talking about what matters in the world yeah good good thing to be in good thing to talk about and we do a lot of coverage on that stuff exactly so we can talk literally about anything and everything and that's the important thing because it's all in canon all right guys it's been a hell of a week it's been a hell of a night for Okay, I'll, I've been podcasting for eight hours today So I am tired I am a little exhausted, I should say I'm a little loopy Loopy little crazy, crazy um, And we have a show on Sunday to prepare for But before then, let me tell you about some stuff We have another special coming Phil and Tyler don't even know about this But Matt and I have been working on the wrestling side And we have not one, but two shows coming this weekend on the It's Canon Podcast. And we're going to be talking about all things Royal Rumble. We're going to be ranking every single Royal Rumble match from 1988 to 2021. Yes, we're including the show that happened just a few days ago. Um, We have ranked, or he has ranked, every match We're going to go through that list. It's going to be not one, but two episodes. Two episodes full of memories, full of rankings, full of me jibber-jabbering and interviews. So you have to tune in to see who we're going to interview. And it's going to be a couple fun stuff happening there. And on Sunday, as always, we're going to have our news episode. Guys, that's that. So, Phil, do your thing.
3: All right. If you're looking to get in contact with us, you can find us on the internet at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at it's Cannon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show basically on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast show. So please be sure to uh, make sure that you click a subscribe button and to leave a rate and review, if possible, on the platform of choice for listening. And thank you
0: so much for lending us your ears for Guys, this we have so much. Thank you so much for that, Phil. But, guys, we have so much happening on the show. We're thinking of contests. We're thinking of future interviews. We're going to expand the coverage now that we're all into pop culture. I have some interviews lined up with some local Toronto artists um, it's going to be fun. I think we have some really good specials lined up, and it's going to be so much fun because we're the It's Canon podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about things comics, movies, video games, books, Lego, etc. And the best part of it is what? Uh,
3: it's in Canon.
0: Boom. He's Phil. He's Tyler. I'm Boris. Good I'm tired I've got to go sleep. You know that this is still recording, right? I
1: didn't, I didn't hear what you said.
0: It oh. doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, you're just
0: It really doesn't matter. <laughs> if anyone's still listening, hey, power to you.
2: Mm, we're still recording. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs>